Welcome back, y'all. To Nerd Escape. Where we talk about everything underrated and overlooked. I am your host, Jablar. And I'm your host, Cammie. Woo! I'm so excited. It's nice and cold outside. Yeah. It's like, is this winter in Texas? No. Yeah, don't get your hopes <laughs> up. <laughs> this is pre-fall. Is it's nice and cool, almost in the what, 30s. Yeah, it's been cold. Loving it. It's going to last for a couple days and go away out of Austin, Texas. And we'll be hot, hot, hot. Yes. <laughs> but yes. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, we are doing my favorite comic book. This is his baby. It, it really is. I love this comic book. It got me really... It, it's the point where I started digging a hole in the comics, and I was just like, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm covered. <laughs> uh, Deadly Class is a title from Image Comic Books. Um, it is writer Rick Remender. It has artist Wes Craig, colorist Lee Blue Ridge, um, also colorist Jordan Boyd, and uh, the letterer Roos Wutan, and editor Sebastian Gerner. Uh, the first issue came out January 22nd, 2014. Oh, wow. And that's about when I really started, like, getting into comic books. Yeah. Like, around, like, it was around 2013 or so okay. when I really started collecting single-issue comic books. But, um, yes, this is Episode 7, Deadly Class, Volume 1 through 5. Uh, volume 1 is 1987, Reagan's Youth. Reagan's Youth. You can call him Reagan. Yes. But uh, pretty much the general sum is a... High School for Assassins. And that's all I'll give right now. But we want to give credit where credit's due. Um, the writer. High School for Assassins or Assassins in High School? Both. Because <laughs> they're training them. That's true. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we'll start off with um, volume one of this came out uh, July 29th, 2014. And it is still running. It is on issue 44 now, Holy I believe. Cow. Yeah, so it has nine volumes. Wow. Yes. I and didn't even know that. I'm not all the way through them. Yes. I, I'm i going back and rereading them. Probably, this is probably my third time rereading, but the latest edition volumes, like, this is probably my second time around. So okay. I'm still like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But um, yes, writer Rick Remender. Rick Remender is by far my favorite comic book writer. Noise. that i've run into of yet and it gets because he's in my era and he's working really hard but to me he's like he has the essence of like frank miller of like the 90s and 80s okay where frank miller was tearing up everything there but because rick Remender to me is a workaholic mm-hmm. like he just keeps putting out titles and he's just he's getting the job done but uh at on his twitter it's at Remender and at ig i believe it's rick Remender uh, or his tags um, he does a lot of sci-fi titles. He does for Image, SLG, Dark Horse for Marvel. Um, he was born February 6, 1973, and I say this because it's the same birthday as Marcus. Really? Yes. So Marcus is pretty much the main character for most of us. Yeah. Um, and he resides in L.A., California. Uh, he's done for Image for Image titles. He has a, his his list is Fear Agent, Black Science, which I read all of. Low, which I read all of. Seven to Eternity, which I read all of. He does Venom. He does Marvel. He does Uncanny uh, X-Force. He does Punisher. He does Captain America Avengers. Um, he wrote for two video games. Which ones? Dead Space and Bulletstorm. Really? Yeah. I haven't played any of them. I've heard of Dead Space and watched gameplay. That's about it. And if that's not impressive, getting his hands in different industries, before he did comic books, he worked in animation on title films such as The Iron Giant. Oh, I love that movie. Anastasia. 
Yeah. <laughs> Titan AE and the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Nice. I remember reading a, um, what's it in the back of comic books? Like, he, he answers fan mail. Okay. Um, and he wrote about uh, having to work on the animation of Anastasia. Uh-huh. And he quit because it, the process just took too long. Yeah, and Anastasia. Like, like, he, he took... He did like a one minute scene and it took months and months and months and you're just like, it's not, I don't want to do this anymore. My hand broken. But yes, his 2013 and 2019 run, Tokyo Ghost, Death and Glory, Black Science, Deadly Class, Low, Seven to Eternity, six titles and five of them are still remaining running right now. So he's working titles. Um, He launched his own imprint called Giant Generator. Uh, You can go on this website, Giant Generator, and you can buy comic book merch online. (gasps) So he has some amazing Deadly Class shirts, uh, Low shirts, Tokyo Go shirts, uh, Seven to Eternity. So all his titles. And I'm a type, I'm just proof that fans want this because when you read this, it's like, I want this on a t shirt. And you can find it at Giant Generator. All right. Um, and he also has a Netflix launch, a thing called Last Days of American Crimes. It's on there already. Really? Yes. And I knew that was a comic book, and I ne- I've never got a chance to read it. But yeah, it's something on Netflix Guess by Rick Remender. gotta pick it up. All right. Now that I'm done spewing about Rick Remender, he's an amazing writer. He, he, he has some good sci-fi he stuff. He loves Rick. He's going to be on this show probably multiple times for titles that we're talking about. <laughs> um, but it's so good. Uh, our artist is Wes Craig. He is at Wes Craig Comics on IG and Twitter. He's from Montreal, Canada. He's co-creator of Deadly Class. He's worked on uh, Gravedigger Union. He's uh, wrote for Marvel. He's done Batman, does Guardian of the Galaxy. He's on The Flash, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre title. And he created Black Hand Comics. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> He's got a good background. Our colorist is going to be Lee Luridge from Volume 1 through 3. He's at Lee Luridge on Twitter. He wears some titles as The Mass, Southern Cross, Stumptown, Ruby Falls. Uh, he's done for DC and Marvel. Many titles on for them. I cut that out. I just them. Uh, and our colorist, we're going to give a shout out to also is Jordan Boyd. He took over during volume four and he's still going through it. Uh, so on volume nine as well. He's worked for Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. He worked for Republic. Uh, he also worked on a title called Curse Words. Oh, yes. I kind of started that yes. one. It looked pretty cool. The old guy. It, like, yeah, like, it's just weird. I haven't. I need to finish it. The Evolution he's worked on. Um, he lives in Norman, Oklahoma with his wife and kids, dogs, and his head chop. Oh, I know where Norton, Oklahoma is. Norman. Norman. I don't. I do. <laughs> um, next, we have our letterer, Roos Wuton. You can, he's at Roos Wuton on IG and Twitter. He's written titles as Invincible, Walking Dead, Super Dinosaur. Huh. Um, thieves of Thieves. Messed up. Uh, <laughs> right, just Thieves. Prince of Arts. Oh, no. He also works on A Body, Two Lives. It's a memoir of sequential arts. Uh, he He's working on his own graphic novel uh, called 235 East Main Street, and mm-hmm. it is a Midwestern haunting. Ooh. I, and I saw some pictures for it. In- okay. Last, we have Sebastian Gerner. He is the comic book editor of... Uh, no, He's also the editor-in-chief of TKO Studios, and it is on IG at TKO Presents. So, independent comics, go out and support. Noise. Blah. Now that I've got all the artistries out of who did this and gave the credits, recommended rules, read his titles. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Um, we're going to go right into settings. Okay. 
um, just to start, the setting of Deadly Class is a time capsule to 1987. Yep. Um, it is set in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Um, and the setting type is just on the streets, abandoned buildings. Sometimes the characters take trips to Vegas or they go to Mexico or Japan. Um, but the main they go setting, to Japan? Uh, eventually, yes. I, don't, I think you've got that far yet. In, but what in, in what volume? Like volume six when I was reading. Oh, no. But it's just one of them just goes to Japan. Okay. Because there's reasons why this... Uh, but it generally takes place in the school grounds known as King's Dominion School of the Deadly Arts. Um, so basically, if you're on the streets of San Francisco, you'd walk into a flower shop. Uh, you take a back door, and there'd be a huge pillar of winding staircase. And then you enter the gates of King's Dominion. Yeah. It's a high school for crime syndicates around the world to send their children. <laughs> to be trained to can become you, deadly assassins. Can you imagine? Yeah. It's weird to say it's like, all right, going to go learn to kill people right. and come back and be, you know, run things. Yeah. Um, and then through the history of this, you learn that some of the kids there, like their parents are like legacies there. Like, right. like your dad, you know, graduated the school. Right. But it's called deadly class. People die. These students are, you know, it's crazy. And it yeah. sounds funny because it has... The factor of like all these people want to kill you because they're from different areas, but it also still has the high school feel. Yes. And that high school feel, it's like kids will not just beat you up, they'll kill you. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like more adults. And they're like 13, 14 years old. Right. They really are. And they're like grown ass adults, like watch, like needing to wash their back. Right. Um, but the setting wise of the uh, colors and like the art is just. To me, it's like raw, textured, yeah, uh, very colorful setting with the art. But the art is kind of, or the color is kind of flat, right? And there's for, lots of lines. Yes, for like a good reason, right? Um, but also, I just want to say what this comic book feels like. So, Deadly Class has a lot of dialogue, yes, um, between like Marcus, the main character. He has a journal, so it's like a conscious journal entries, right? Or um, just a conversation between characters, just the dialogue. So with Deadly Class, the dialogue references to pop culture and its aesthetic vision of violence and like the, what the violence can affect, how it affects people mentally. Um, to me, this has like, if you like movies like Quentin Tarantino films. I love Quentin Tarantino. This comic book is like towards that genre, yeah. I believe. So it's like, to me, it's like Reservoir Dogs was like clean suits, uniforms, right. betrayal, right. a lot of blood, you yep. know. Uh, Kill Bill, like one of the characters, always carries a katana with her, and like has right. like you know ninja skills. Pulp Fiction with the like the dialogue. Yes, you have very ambiguous characters who are like you know teetering to good and then teetering to bad. Um, off the wall characters, and if you want to also bring in another director, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that's another like making violence look like mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and it kind of gives off like the fear and loathing vibe too. Oh yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, they had a whole, they went to Vegas and yeah. had the issues and had a acid trip that just basically colors were coming off the paper. Yeah, that got out of hand. But yeah, if you like anything like The Departed, even Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Shutter Island, like Martin Scorsese did that. I so love like Shutter kind Island. of out of your mind moments. Yeah. Um, so if you like that guilt and redemption stories, like tribalism and profanity. If you, it has a lot of a liberal liberal uses of violence, drugs, and profanity. Yeah. In this daily so that's our warning, our PSA right now. Yes. 
this comic book is an adult comic book. It really is. Like, because even for me, I was just like, oh, this is a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, and it, but like for the time, it, I would not see it any other way. That's yeah. just how it was during punk the scene. 80s. And then a lot of so a lot of the characters too, like. There's cliches like the cliques uh, in high schools and stuff, but it's, it has like a punk outsider viewpoint. Yes. Like a culture hit of like the late 80s. There's a lot of call outs like for bands, for like um, movies, like mm -hmm. John Hughes like gets made fun of a lot in this movie. Yeah, that's true. Or The Cure or like, yeah. you know, metal music and like goths versus punks versus metals versus jocks right. versus like. And it was really good because it just wasn't focused on like the the popular cliques it was more focused on the cliques that were you know the unpopular the nerds the weirdos the strange which i thought was super great yes and like i said it's it has the high school setting so these are still kids with like and a lot of high strung emotion in the environment oh God, too yes so you have like you know high school setting but the cliques and the students can and will kill you yep um, you have your goth girl your preps your punks your bullies your you have your classic outsider, you have your beefs, and then you have a whole lot of beefs because people just want to kill each yep. other. And sometimes it's your assignment to kill people. Um, but you have a lot of emotions, you have backstabbings, you have friends with ruined relationships over just girls or guys. Yep. Like it goes like that. So it's just wild kids in the dark arts. Yep. And that's our setting. <laughs> that's so it. punk, skateboarding, shows, going to Vegas, doing what you're not supposed to do. Right and some violence oh yeah a lot yeah. of violence and there's also still some good comic relief in yeah. a lot of the stuff with that we will since we're talking about clicks we can talk about some of the clicks that they have at this school um so you have the preps so it's like rich kids and their legacy would be like from the cia or like from the fbi yeah and then you'll have the dixie mob click which is going to be the death squad cheerleader squad Brandy's a character that's the leader of them, um, and her legacy comes from the Aryan Brotherhoods, Confederates, and Rednecks. Yuck. So imagine going, walking down a high school uh, hallway, and you got to deal with racist, racist, and that's just their clique. <laughs> like the, the clique of racists. They're they're allowed to be there because they're being trained to be assassins. assassins. <laughs> Sounds quite familiar, if you ask me. Uh, or malicious, I guess. Oh, yeah. Militia. Uh, so <laughs> they got the Satos Vatos, which is the cartel. And the characters in this are Maria and Chico. Um, you have the Final World Order, or FWO. Uh, this is Willie, the character Willie's legacy. Okay. And it's from South Central LA, so it's like the gangs. Um, you even have the, the uh, Yakuza uh, clan, the Kuriaki Syndicate. Uh, they send their their daughter Saya, so it's the Japanese syndicate, uh, Kuraki Yang. So the different organizations sending their kids, uh, but your people with no legacy, like just someone who's homeless or someone who's like doesn't really come from a legacy of people who need assassins, right. are also there as well. And that's where we start off with our first main character, uh, Marcus Lopez Arguello, or Arguello, Arguello. That's imagine people would say it, Arguello. Probably. Marcus Lopez, Arguello, uh, he starts off the story. He is homeless mm -hmm. in the streets of San Francisco. Um, he is 13 years old, um, and he's depressed, lonely, and suicidal. 
Um, his parents died, which kind of is also part of the setting as well, because the reason his parents died is a mentally insane woman, a mentally insane woman jumped off a bridge and squashed his parents. Do you remember that? Is that what happened? Yes. <laughs> a mentally insane woman jumped off the bridge while they were on a ferry and they landed on his parents. No. Yes. <laughs> that's what happened. That's absurd. Uh, that's what happened. I don't remember that. But they were, uh, and there is a historical fiction tied to this in the sense that um, she was released from the mental hospital after the state mental hospital lost fundings from uh, a system of political moves that Ronald Reagan did and which basically Ronald Reagan defunded federal government mental health funds and the person who got released and was became homeless basically jumped off a bridge and killed Marcus's parents. And if you want a little history in that, uh, the Mental Health System Act of 1980, President Carter signed that in, uh, and it was let federal funds help state-funded mental institutions. And then the very next year, in 1981, Ronald Reagan and U.S. Congress repealed most of those laws. This is a good reason why Volume 1 is called Reagan's Youth, because Marcus is homeless <laughs> after this. And so Marcus, his main goal and his burning desire because of this, he wants to assassinate Ronald Reagan. I don't blame him. <laughs> and it kind of was ballsy when his comic book was saying this. And I was like, is anyone looking when you read this right now? Right. <laughs> I was like, I guess you can talk about an old president. I guess so. <laughs> um, but he pushes the responsibilities of mentally ill patients back to the state. This is Ronald Reagan blocking grants for the states, but federal spendings on mental illness declines. Um, so Marcus's main goal in life is to assassinate Ronald Reagan. He's an outsider. He has cops after him because he has a reputation already on the streets that he murdered a lot of people in the orphan home that he was from. And it's a whole story. Yeah. He might have did it allegedly, but he has a rep that he killed everyone there. Pretty bad orphan home to begin with. But his character is emotionally paranoid most of the time. He's obsessively overanalyzing people. Um, himself in situations. Yes. Um, yes. That annoying. That is Marcus. Um, I <laughs> I love Marcus sometimes, <laughs> but then I'm like, all right, Marcus. <laughs> like, like he, he he's a sad boy. Yeah. And he's always he writes in his journal, and he's always he's always just sometimes he has some good stuff to say yeah when he's like just talking about life but sometimes this stuff is very hopeless and depressing yeah he's like a sad mad boy yes sad mad boy for sure um but yes what do you think of the next character what do you think of the next character we're talking about saya saya she's pretty cool she's pretty she's pretty cool, she pretty, she pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay she's cool uh saya is interesting when I was first reading volume one and the rest of the volumes, uh, Saya was very quiet. She kind of kept to herself and I was like, okay, I can get into this character. Uh, <laughs> she's pretty chill. Yeah. She's honestly, when I first saw Saya, uh, she has a Japanese tattoo. It's the Japanese bodysuit. Yeah. So it's just like where so cool. it's like on your wrist. So it's like, so you can still wear a suit and it won't look like you have any tattoos basically. Right. But it's so all over her body's a tattoo. Um, 
she's running from her past, just like most of the characters in this. Um, super cool Japanese gangster chick. She has like the katana on her back all the time. She's always dressed like really punk. Yeah. And like, you know, like she's like a cool metal chick. Right. Um, she for me she's the person that like the go-to friend if you need something serious done like you yeah. need some business taken care right. of in the no, family class sense absolutely you will go to her and she will you know go She'll track take care of business down. yes she will next we have willie willie is from the la gang affiliations he has the rep that he killed rival gangs that killed his dad although he is not the stone cold killer type supposedly he had he claimed five lives before he was 12 years old his mom's in jail. His dad died, of course. He works at the comic book store, and he's rocking a Raiders jacket all the time. He has, like, that L.A., like, you know, Compton, yeah. you know, look in he, a way. He's a sweet one. He is. He deserved better. Because <laughs> <laughs> Willie is Marcus's best friend. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, Marcus was homeless at a very young age. And, you know, in and, out of, in and out of orphanages, had to, like, basically escape out of an orphanage. Right. Um... And Willie's his first friend to like, you know, talk shit with him and like yeah. talk about rap music and he'll talk about punk. You get that culture hit from like different sides in this comic book because, you know, he'll talk about hip hop and he talks about real hip hop from right. the era, which is really cool. Um, you have Maria. Maria is, she always rocks the Dias Los Muertos paint. Yes. Uh, which is really cool about so this comic cool. book. Um, she's associated with the cartel. Uh, Chico is the son of bosses. Yeah. Um, Chico is her boyfriend, uh, but she has her eye and claws on Marcus right from the get-go. She's fine. Um, her family was murdered by the cartel. Yes. And she was taken in by the cartel to be an assassin. Basically to, you know, be indebted. Yeah. Yes. So you can only imagine what that does to her emotionally and what everything's building up, like yeah. what's going through her head. So she has, like, you know... Kind of, the kind of crazy Mexican vibe. The there's good reasons why. Yeah, she's loca. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Uh, also mentally unstable is what I wrote down. <laughs> Truly, I think. But all the characters are mentally unstable. Yes, if she is going for Marcus, is because yeah, like you know, people kind of who have the same trauma in a way, kind of relate on that. Yeah, and a lot of people, if you have lived with trauma, you kind of gravitate towards the person who has who's has a calmer existence yes i think that's why she kind of gravitated toward marcus is because he was kind of he was kind of calm about his trauma very true he just didn't really talk about it much and one of the last main characters we have is billy and billy is the green-haired mohawk punk happy-go-lucky goofy kid yeah like he really is and that's my uh he just sweetheart in the whole situation and there's sometimes I was like you deserve better <laughs> like there's some sad situations where it's just like oh Billy you're all good man yeah. um, but his stepdad is a crooked cop uh, he's a gambler he's a smuggler and Billy got dropped off at the King's Dominion to pay off a dad's debt to the mob Yuck. so he's just really innocent and he even talks about like he just wishes he could be home with his mom and his little brother because his little brother takes a lot of like same crap from his from the stepdad Oh, I almost forgot that this comic book uh, has already become a TV show. Right. So, but the thing is, it got aired one season, I think it's 10 episodes on the Sci-Fi Network. Oh, And okay. nothing usually survives the Sci-Fi Network. No. It really doesn't. And I got to say, the show with the characters, the main one that we just talked about, 
They did them pretty well. They did them justice. Okay. Like Billy was one of my favorite ones on there. I haven't uh, seen it yet. Sia was good. Willie, Willie and Marcus's like banters back and forth are really good. Yeah, I give it like you know an eight out of ten for like you know being good compared to the comic book as well. Okay. And but yeah, you also check that out. I think it's on Amazon. You can like buy the sep- episodes individually. You can buy like in a package. Um, other than that, we have side characters. We have Victor. Uh, his Russian, his father was Stalin's top assassin, so he's there to become the same. Yeah, that's for sure. Victor, <laughs> what do you think of Victor? Victor, Victor. <laughs> he can eat my shoe. Really? Yeah. You don't like big, tough, blonde Victor? No. He's stupid. <laughs> he's like, when he grabs his Mr. Soap. <laughs> God, he's so weird. He's just... He's the kind of guy that just infuriates you because he thinks he's like better than everyone because he's got he's like oh look at me <laughs> I'm Russian. Nice. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Brandy, the leader of the Rednecks Dixie Mobs? She can eat both my shoes and some <laughs> dirt. That's all I've got to say. And we also have Shabnab. <laughs> Shabnam. Oh, oh my gosh. Spelled S H A B N A M. Shabnam. He can get pushed um, and he's into like, the mud. His legacy for his parents would be like the CIA, like uh, like intelligence, central intelligence agency type. But he is the, you know, the geeky nerd that everyone made fun of. Um, he's a kid in class that sweats all the time. Yeah, he is. Poor thing. And you feel bad because you're like, oh, this dude doesn't have any friends. But yeah, he is the snitch kid. Uh, you feel sorry for because they are constantly picked on. But Shabnam is the planner. Uh, he kind of calls the shots, and that's his type of assassin. Yeah. Uh, he uses characters like Victor and other students to get credit for kills, if you will. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we start off, our main character is homeless, and he gets taken in by the school. And so he's surrounded by all these dangerous freaking people, but he's just mentally happy that he's off the streets. Right. And so he's not dealing with that. Uh, we have another antagonist, which is pretty creepy. Um, it was a when Marcus was in the orphanage, he met someone named Chester Wilson, who also goes by Fuckface. Uh, uh, Fuckface and his hillbilly family of degenerates and uh, what's the term for inbred kids? Inbred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it would. Basically, he has a messed up, mutilated face that he got from the orphanage and. Marcus had something to do with it, kind of with a makeshift bomb, if you will. Yeah. But he picked on Marcus in the orphanage. He's a practitioner of bestiality. Uh, so hide your dogs, hide your cats, hide your livestock, because he's raping things out here. Uh, he has his face mutilated and burned in the fire of the Sunset Boys home that Marcus Lee allegedly blew up and set on fire and killed everyone. Uh, he wants to be a famous serial killer. So, like, I believe in the show, he has, like, imaginations where, like, daydreams where he's, like, on, like, like talk shows. And it's just, like, interviewing him as a serial oh, killer. No. And he's, like, selling his book. No. <laughs> so, like, Fuckface is always, like, I want the book deals. I want this. Like, I'm trying to mess up my mojo to get famous. Like, that's why that's... he wants to kill people. You can't kill people and then go on talk shows and I write mean, a book about it. I mean, that's and what not he wants go to, to jail. He is psychotic. That's. Um, but, yes, he cuts his victims' noses off and p- positions them masturbating and writes fuckface in their blood. And that's his serial killer signature. That's so gross. <laughs> God. I think I could... This is an adult copy book! <laughs> I skimmed over that part because I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah, and I, I listen to a lot of true crimes, so it's like 
hits really close. When on he leaves like the scene, he always like grabs a cat or something. And the cat's just like, what? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, but he plays with Marcus and the group. Um, because he has a, bla- a blackmail on them that could get them in trouble with the school. Right. So they got to do their job to kind of scout them out. And then there's a good there's a good mid chapters in the volume where they're just you know planning to go after fuckface and this hillbilly crew. Yeah, they need right. to be put down. Sorry for cussing, but that's the name of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, next we'll go into questions. All right, I heard this was gonna be <laughs> heard this was gonna be a hard one for Camille to pick. Uh, Camille, question number one. Yes. <laughs> Who is your favorite character? Oh, uh, uh, this one was really hard. I am picking a character from the from volume five. Okay. It's split between uh, Zenzeli okay. and um, Helmet. And Helmet. Helmet is a German guy. He's from East Germany. And he's just, he's really nerdy. He is. But he, he's like, he's a cool nerd. He listens to satanic music, which <laughs> I'm not into you. So I'm just satanic like. Satanic music eh. back then was like Iron Maiden. Yeah. Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Slayer. Yeah. So I was just like, well, I, don't, I don't know what he listens to, but I'm not into that. But he plays Dungeons and Dragons. I'm also not into that, but he I does. think it's, there's a Dungeons and Dragons scene, which yeah. is a good time capsule culture riff. Yeah, of. and it's really, really cool to kind of see a character who's nerdy, like who's legitimately nerdy, oh, yeah. and playing video games, playing games like board games and stuff like that. So that kind of like caught my eye. I was like, oh, that's really cool because it kind of fits yeah. me because I listen to a lot of heavy metal. He's from Germany and. Yeah, yields the axe. Yeah. And he gets down with it pretty crazy. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Uh, Zenzeli, she's kind of a cryptic character, but she's from Africa, and she's she's definitely a loner. She likes to keep to herself. She doesn't like talking to people, but she holds her own. She's also super Christian. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> she is. So, like, I'm picking, like, two opposites of the spectrum. I'm like, all right, I've got, you know, Listen. one person who's listening to, quote, unquote, satanic music. And then I have someone who's, like, hardcore Christian and is, like, very much by herself. And I think she kind of questions her Christianity at some point. Well, you'll, you'll learn more about her history. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah, so... She's still reading through more because there's nine volumes. Right. So she to, I was like, it's a five. Like, yeah. There's a big transition because she brings up the characters from volume five because I'll say this. This comic book is called Deadly Class and characters die. Quite a bit of them die. Yeah. And I, it, people die. That's all I'm going to say. And this comic book will just rip your freaking heart out. Yeah. And so they'll be like, I don't like where characters die. It's like, no, it, this is called Deadly Class. They have a new... The next year they have a new freshman class so they introduce new characters and i was even at first when it first came out i was like this god fuck it all through i don't want to read it and i read it and i enjoyed the characters still they're all really good yeah so those two i'm kind of split on those are my favorite characters okay y'all treat yourself there's so many characters to reflect off of there really is and my favorite character i I love marcus I i love marcus for all his ups and downs and you're just like Okay, boy, you're being too sad. Let He's me help you out. He's too moody for me. He, he is moody. <laughs> and Marcus, you got main character has a special place in my heart, but Saya is going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is just rough. 
When I first read this, I immediately had a comic book crush on Saya. Only because I could never be with her because <laughs> she's a Yakuza gangster. If she was a real person, I'd be terrified of her. Just like the other characters' backstory, you know, she's facing trials and tribulations through that as well. And she's just... I don't know. She just seems like the solid friend that's always going to just... She's going to do what needs to be done. She's going to have everything put together when she needs to. And she's just a badass. Like, she really, like, she just gives badass vibe. Yeah. 100%. Rocking like a Punisher tee sometimes and just, you know, coming through with her samurai sword. Just, you know, done. Done, son. Riding a motorcycle, like, she's rocking a sports motorcycle, like, the first issue and, like, you know jumping in the air and kicking through cop cars and just being like what up cops and just Hello. messing them up <laughs> she's just badass and i bought merch of of her i've i have a, a t-shirt with her on actually where she's like holding her sam her sword and okay. has all, all her tattoos on her body uh-huh it's a great shirt but saya just hands down just badassery Reasonable. coming from the japanese syndicates <laughs> so it's really cool weird it's not weird <laughs> everyone has a comic who's book your comic book crush, crush? in this comic book this ca- uh any comic yeah. i don't know i haven't uh, i haven't read enough comics to really actually like a comic book character she likes she's in love with the ugandan knuckles no <laughs> how dare you my queen uh. <laughs> i think you're in love with the ugandan knuckles <laughs> What would, okay, so question number two. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite thing about Deadly Class? All right, so two things. Every volume leaves you on a cliffhanger that is very cliffed. You're just like, I have to jump off this in order to get to the next volume. So very much you are trying to figure out what is going to happen next. Makes you want to pick it up. Uh, and my second thing that I like about it is there are no redeemable characters. <laughs> or, how, well, let me not say that. I love, I love this take on it by her. Go ahead. It's hard to find a redeemable character sometimes because, one, a lot of the times the characters are doing really good. You're like, oh, my God, they're learning. They're growing. They're doing the right thing. And then here comes a twist and turn and they're over here fighting each other they're over here uh uh, scheming yeah and i'm just like huh it's high school too so it's like i don't know some situations like backstabbing you and your friends like like the same girl or like the same boy and it's just like you know kids kind of react first before talking about it right (laughs) see and that was not me yeah me in high school oh you liked my dude you can have them. Uh, I don't want them that bad. <laughs> you like them that much? All right. That's why the guy wanted you more. <laughs> yeah, because I did not want him. But so. yes, characters and the situations where it's just like, sometimes you're like, wait, why would you do that? And it's like a character who wouldn't seem like, but that's just, it. to me, that's what makes characters who they are is you see the decisions they make. Right. And that builds character. Right. Like, yeah. And sometimes you're like wait why are you doing that and then something bad happens to that character and like either a reader could be like no but i still love that character even though they did that or they could be like hey yeah, that character had it coming because he did that you right know? um yeah i don't know i like that take that you have on it my favorite part of this comic book deadly class is the cultural 
time capsule okay. of the setting and just the dialogue. Yeah. So what I mean about culture story is like, so he's in high school and it's that typical scene where he's like trying to find a seat for lunch. Like right. it's like one of the first scenes and no one wants them. They're doing the whole, you know, can't sit here thing. Right. And so he goes to the bathroom, eat his food. Typical sad girl thing, whatever. And then he's like, all right, I don't want to eat lunch. I need to find the misfits, the students in the back of the school smoking jazz cigarettes. And one of the first like jokes or like culture cues was the kids are talking. He overhears them and like they're talking about having a John Hughes theater showing. And but the theater is actually a furnace. And so basically halfway through the second wacky misadventure of a white teen of affluence, poof, burn all the John Hughes fans. And they're pretty much uh, thus killing John Hughes fans. It's a gift to the world. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so this is like the cultural joke. And, you know, if you don't know who John Hughes is, like I had to like, be reminded he's the one who directed Breakfast Club, 17 Candles, Pretty in Pink, and Ferris Bueller. And honestly, I've never related to this movie very well myself. I know they're big, like, cultural ones, but I, I really can't stand Breakfast Club. I really oh, can't stand that's my favorite Pretty one. Pretty in Pink. I have... Honestly, Ferris Bueller, to me, was, like, on even when it was on, like, non-cable TV, I was just like, ah. And so when they made that joke, I was just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there's other things, like, it's kind of like a meta feel, because uh, Marcus, at one point, Marcus and Willie work at a comic book store, and, like, the guy who owns its name is Blaine. And so... David Blaine? Uh, sure. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but he tries to get Marcus into underground comic books. Some guy named uh, a, a title called Canon by Wally Wood, which mm. is a real thing. Okay. I've never read it. Uh, Marcus's journal, he writes, Tonight's assignment is a collection of weird fantasies as he, he helps me detox from mainstream comics I was reading and get hip to the real deal. Mm. So it was just like, you know, you got a comic book nerd. You're like, hey, you should read this. Right. Wink, wink. Meta. Wink. Um, there's also really one of my favorite cultural references uh, was, and it's still one that goes on today, is mosh pit and slam dancing. Mm -hmm. So Marcus and Saya, they go to a punk show. And Marcus is not interested in getting beat up by a bunch of strangers trying to sell how aggressive they are. That's his idea of a mosh pit. And Saya's pretty much dialogue is, asshole, it's not like that. Pure expression of enthusiasm and joy for most um, it looks violent, but it's play fighting it, if you look close. And the mosh pit scene continues. They go in the mosh pit. It's a dance of camaraderie and exuberance, the dance of weirdos and freaks. And they are uncorking all their frustrations. They, they're just seeing where Marcus and Sia are like in the mosh pit and Marcus is, you know, having a good time dancing. And when they leave, Marcus' dialogue is, I got knocked down and this, the scariest guy in there picked me up patted me on the back, wrapped me in his arms, and we began to run around together. I swear to God, I had goosebumps. And I know you don't like mosh pits that much, and no. my first experience with them was I was afraid to go in one, and I was like at a Lamb of God concert. Uh -huh. I fall down on the concrete, it's outside, and two guys picked me up, lifted me up, like my both of my arms, I was off my feet, and then put me on my feet, and we did three circles around the pit together. And I was just like, wow, for a second there, I was like, I'm about to get stomped or someone's gonna stomp on my hands or something. No, everyone spread, two biggest guys picked me up and I remember I had goosebumps and I was just like, oh. Yeah, I've been in mosh pits and uh, they did not end well for me. So I was like, I'm gonna get out of here. So I love the brutal honesty mm -hmm. of recruitment. I just do. Tribalism. 
Uh, every border, every nation, every war, every ounce of this. racism. I'm not kidding. Every religion, tribe, the illusion of safety inside a mob, and the illusion of being righteous. I just love the brutal honesty of Recommender. I really do. <laughs> All right, last question. What would be your weapon of choice in the King's Dominion as a student, and what class would you be best in? Out of the class classes, would you assassin psychology, beheadings, poison, hand-to-hand -hand combat, or AP black arts? So I think I would be... I think my weapons would be guns. <laughs> Specifically... And <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> an AR. What is it? 15 or 16? I can't remember. Well, we probably, yeah. So, so you want One an assault those. rifle? Yeah. Yes. I'm a really you know good who shot. Who else's weapon is that? Victor. Victor can catch these bullets. And he's a sniper, too. Uh, yeah, he can catch these bullets. Okay. Uh, but I'm a really good shot, so that's all I have to say. All right. Um, so, definitely would be. What would be your gun name? I don't know. Susie. No, that's a weird. No. Ralph. No. Trablar. Ew. Okay. <laughs> Continue. And <laughs> <laughs> I would do really, really well in hand-to-hand -hand combat because I wrestle the crap out of you. Yeah, she has man strength. <laughs> I do. Uh, sometimes it's like, yeah, I get out of this head headlock and like I can't get out the headlock. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, she has mainly arms. Yeah, he has to tap out. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so hand-to-hand -hand combat, just in case you can't use your guns. Yeah. But you would, that's cool. So you basically you want John Wick powers. Hell yes. <laughs> if you don't there know, you John Wick is my favorite. John. So John Wick would be the syndicate who's sending uh, Cammy there to the school. Uh, <laughs> it'd be even better if he trained me. There you go just trained you i hope uh <laughs> if i was at the king's dominion school for deadly arts i would get good at the side you know the 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 one the weapon that Electra uses or the weapon that uh, uh Raphael uses from, yes so those two little swords um just because if i got really good at them you know of course size you can stab up close in combat so you know your hand-to-hand -hand combat if you want to shoot at me um, I can block bullets if you I got really good. I if coming. I got really good, you would know uh, I was coming. <laughs> I could throw them as projectiles, which I think would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe just some knives as well. It'd be really good at knives, um, and you could steal it really easily. So that's why I would use that for it. Okay. And the class I would be best at would be poison. Poisons. Would you put poison on your? Hey. Yikes! I gave him an idea. Yeah, I would. Um, and yeah, I like chemistry, so it'd be fun to learn the chemistry of it all. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd put my time and effort in learning that. And there actually is a character. He probably uh, wouldn't get around to fighting. He'd just be learning poisons all the time. Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> but Petra, she's like the goth chick uh, side character, and her specialty is poisons. And yeah. It's pretty brutal sometimes yeah, when is. she's like, sets a little like, like looks like a milk jug. She just like made her concoction in and puts it in a room with someone and just, you know, yeah. takes them out and it's pretty aesthetic violence as we like to aesthetic call it. Aesthetic violence? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, that is deadly class. Uh, but then we're going to have one more question. Um, it is a little off topic, but since it's the season right now, spooky, the spooky season. And we love to talk about graphic novels here. 
but uh, just add on some other uh, topics and things that we're digging into. Um, what Booker story do you recommend? That's not graphic novels or comics. Yes. What Booker story that do you recommend right now? That's a good spooky season story. Um, so one of my favorites. I read it last year, and I'm I actually need to pick it up again because it's such a good like short story. But it's called Sour Candy. It's by Killian Patrick Burke, and I follow him on Twitter. He's a really cool. Um, Irish dude and basically it's about this person, this guy he happens upon a child in the grocery store and all of a sudden it is his child Wow! (laughs) and a lot of things start to happen so it's honestly I was terrified out of my mind when I read this, it's so good but definitely a good one. So Sour Candy by Killian Patrick Burke. All right. Great recommendation. I want to read it now. It's so good. Um, my recommendation is a story that you might all be familiar with. Um, it is the Hannibal Lecter series. Uh, so the Lecter ser- the Hannibal Lecter series by Thomas, Thomas Harris. Harris. Uh, it starts off, the, the series starts off with Red Dragon. Amazing read. That's when I was like, oh, heck, these are really good, um, even, you know, better than the movies. And then it goes to Silence of the Lambs, and then it goes to self-titled the Hannibal one. And I ran through those books, I think, maybe two seasons ago, around this time, around October. And it just feels so good in the environment. Hannibal Lecter is even deeper than he is in the movies. Even the show, you know, the show does it did pretty good justice but as well. But just Hannibal Lecter character alone just, like, is creepy intelligence now he just picks at you like you know how he does like psychologically and he thinks you he, he think you think you haven't figured it out and he's you know two steps ahead of you right um and just the, the side characters too that Hannibal's ex-victims or you know the victim the serial killer that Hannibal's trying to help them catch you know usually in all the movies it's great so I recommend the Hannibal Lecter series for reads uh for this season they're awesome um, that's gonna be it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. This was uh, Nerd Escape episode seven. Deadly, Deadly class. class. Um, shout out again. I know I've done it more often. I know I've done it a lot. Rick Remender, go check him out. He loves you. He has so many titles. They're amazing. Um, shout out to my comic book sensei, Mandy Nauman. Uh, this is one of my first friends who got me into comic books. I remember him always saying, Rick Remender is a beast. He's like, Rick Remender. I picked up something. He's like, that's Rick Remender. That's badass. I read that. <laughs> and then, you know, almost 10 years later, yes, like, I thank you, Sensei, for putting me on to that. Everyone should have a Sensei friend. We're like, that guy taught me a thing or two. Uh, yes, thank you for listening to Nerd Escape. Yeah, where we talk about everything underrated and overlooked. I'm your host, Jablar. And I'm your host, Cameron. Peace. Bye. Next time on Nerd Escape, we're going to be talking about the new world. And this one is by Elias Cott and Brad Moore.